Hello, and welcome back to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Mayer, and I'm thrilled to have you join us for another exciting episode. Before we dive in, remember to check us out at manufacturingculturepodcast.com and follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest updates and behind-the-scenes content. Today's episode is brought to you by our fantastic show sponsor, Speroni, a leader in precision tool management solutions. We're also proud to partner with Shop Floor Coffee, the go-to coffee brand for manufacturing professionals looking to fuel their day with a delicious cup of joe. Now, let's get to the heart of today's show. We have the privilege of welcoming back a truly remarkable guest, Andrew Crow, the face of and force behind the American manufacturing renaissance. Drew's journey is nothing short of inspirational, rising from the challenges of his background to becoming a powerhouse in the manufacturing industry. In 2022, Drew took the nation by storm with his American Manufacturing Renaissance Tour, inspiring a new generation and showcasing the unlimited potential within manufacturing. His leadership at Ranking Technical College and as a dynamic co-host of Project MFG has left an indelible mark, elevating the skilled trades and shaping the future of the industry. Drew's influence extends far beyond the factory floor. His voice is echoed in the halls of the White House and the Pentagon, shaping industrial policy and driving change. As a two-time recipient of the Aerospace and Aviation Man of the Year Award and featured thought leader in Forbes magazine, Drew's impact is unparalleled. A year ago, Drew shared his inspiring journey with us, and today he's here to provide an update on his incredible work and to discuss the significant contributions, the historical contributions of Black people in manufacturing. But that's going to be in part two. We'll first catch up today uh, with Drew and hear about his latest endeavors and even give uh, a peek into his background for those of you who may have been living under a rock for the last couple of years and not have heard of him. Drew's story of one of resilience and transformation from overcoming personal challenges to per, uh, becoming a leading figure in the industry. His work continues to inspire and ignite change, making him the perfect guest for today. So grab your cup of coffee and let's get started on this journey with the one and only, the remarkable Andrew Crow. Hey, Manufacturing Culture Podcast listeners, power up your day with Shop Floor Coffee. Use promo code SKILLUPAZ with no spaces for 10% off your order. It's not just a brew, it's a movement. Each purchase supports SkillUp Arizona, helping to fund apprenticeships and scholarships in the state of Arizona. This is coffee that empowers future tech, and trade stars. Ready to join the cause? Click the link in the show notes to order and sip with purpose. Together, let's brew a brighter future. Andrew Crow, welcome to the podcast, man. I love having you back. Yo, no, but for real, in all seriousness, man, thank you so much uh, for the for the intro and and reminding me of, of you know, how far I've come and how much further I've, I'm going to go. And I appreciate every word, man. It made me feel like it was him. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Hey man, I made you this offer last year and I'm going to make it again. If you need somebody to go on tour with you and just be that hype man, just MC those, you know, get you, get everything kicked off for you, write a different episode or a different intro for every one of your appearances. I'm your guy, man. Just let me know. Let's get it. Let's get it. We got to talk numbers first. (laughs) Trust me, you can afford me. Um, Just bring the shop floor coffee. We're going to be out. Absolutely. Dude, this stuff is amazing. Have you tried it yet? I haven't tried it yet, but they're going to be sending me some. Actually, they might be here by now. I was on the road for the past two weeks straight. Um, So uh, I do have some in the mail. Shout out to shop floor coffee. Um, And actually... This industry is what made me start drinking coffee. So <laughs> why have we gone so long without having machinist coffee? You know, dude, it's amazing to me that it, it took 2024 to, to be the year that we have coffee for machinists, right? Finally, uh, finally. finally. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, you said you were on the road the last two weeks. I got the privilege of catching up with you two weeks ago at IME uh, out in Anaheim. You were rocking the news and brews crew there uh with industrial studios uh where were you this week man uh so this past week i was in dallas texas the great state of texas and um it was a fantastic time like the uh show solidworks and Dassault systems throws every year through the experience world uh this was my first one i was supposed to go last year and i wasn't able to make it with my schedule but my first one just blew my mind, not from, you know, just the things that I saw there uh, and the innovations that are coming, uh, but the community and the panels. I learned so much from people. Uh, it was just adult time. And then, you know, rewinding even to IME, the fact that the fact that platforms are starting to really reach out and say what you're doing is important we want to you know get behind it we want to give you a platform to give your message to the people because it means that much i mean i'm so grateful for that like beyond words that i can find to describe and that's just a testament to the 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 groundswell of people that are saying we want to hear more of this message we believe in it we want to get behind it and it's been nothing but positivity. So um, I think our industry is is listening. They're doing better. They're taking the steps. They're being intentional, and you know we're we're seeing the results of that. So it's yeah. uh it's really dope, man. Yeah, I love it, man. And that news and brews crew, um, I think represented the industry well. I mean, you you had it wasn't. A bunch of people who look like me, right? Uh, it, it it was very representative of who we have in the industry right now, and I I love that. Not just in, in, on the metal manufacturing side, right? Not just a machine yeah. shop side, but manufacturing as a whole was really represented by the the five hosts that that News and yeah. Brews brought. Yes, Informa did an outstanding job of curating the people uh, that they put on there. I worked with an amazing team of people. Um, And like you said, uh, we had all ages represented. We had 
pretty much every facet of manufacturing career sets and skill sets represented. We had, you know, different experiences represented. And it was, it was so amazing that it could have been any, you know, they like they could have did the easy, the easy thing, like a lot yeah. of these places do, or yeah. they could have been, you know, some of these places are, are like, oh, we're anti-influencer, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think taking a stand and having that large of a platform and then showing the results of how well we did, we really not only set the, the standard and set the bar really, really high. But we also prove that it's something that is probably necessary going forward uh, for not only our industry, but the conferences in our industry uh, and the businesses. And, you know, just the interviews that we were doing, uh, the wide range of, of people in our industry as well, like the team was super diverse. But the people that we got to interview and the things that came out of those interviews were amazing. I'll be excited to, uh, you know, share some of that with the people that weren't able to attend and then we didn't even talk about <laughs> on uh the last day of the conference <laughs> excuse me on the last day of the conference um i got to sit on a, a a panel and we had um like i think like 10 or 15 high schools represented from uh yeah. the california area and we got to you know show them representation of themselves yeah. in our industry and, you know, got tours led and all of that stuff. So, you know, we're really in small pockets, but in, in a major way, um, you know, putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and, and yeah. doing the work on a larger scale. So I'm Absolutely. really encouraged. Oh man. I, it was a first conference and, and it was my first time at IME. So I have nothing to baseline on uh, historically with the, the conference. But that was my first time there. And my comment to my wife when I got back was that was the most diverse conference that I have been to. Like, it, not just a panel, not just the news and brews, not just the the schools, but the you attendees. walked the attendees. Like you walked through that place, and you had every race, every gender. You had every different type of population represented there in the booths, in the aisles. I mean, it was it was something that other shows should absolutely aspire to. Yeah. Um, because there are times where you and I are at these shows and we look around and it's just me. It's just me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For real, for real. And you're right. And that, and it's been the majority that way. And it's like, yo, there is, there's no excuse for it not to look like IME West look, you know? Yeah. And it, and, and I credit that again to, you know, if you if even if you look at their staff, if you look at the people at Informa, they in C-suite positions have women, have black men from the UK. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they have a wide variety of our America. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Represented, um, and so it's natural for them to promote in ways that would attract different people. It's natural for them to say, okay, this panel should look a lot like our boardroom and our, you know, the people that put this show on and, and they, they did a great job. And like I said, the, the results were a packed out conference that represented, you know, our industry in a fantastic way. And 
the great thing is it's only going to keep getting better. Like, you know, like if this is where it was this year and we're, we're like that, like I can't wait for, you know, next year and, and the rest of the conferences that we have this year, like IMTS, I have a great feeling that IMTS is going to do the same, you know, as far as a diverse, really packed out, um, you know, conference. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. And, uh, how important for the students, you know, the uh, IME, the students that were there to be able to see that representation in the aisles, in the right. booths, in the Informa boardroom, yeah. right? And I think that the Student Summit in Chicago will have, a, to your point, a very similar experience that they're going to come in and really be able to see, okay, there is a pathway for me. I'm not going to be that token hire, right? Uh, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yep. And, and and the truth of the matter is, you know, my tour is a result of me not having that. You know what I'm saying? As a kid. And, you know, I I I won't say that I knew these particular careers existed, but I knew that, you know, there were careers out there, but they didn't seem attainable for me because there was nobody that looked like me, that came from where I came from, that talks like me, that had these careers, right? So it's like, yeah. I know about, you know, astronauts and I know about all these like architects. I know, you know what it is, but show me a black one. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, have them come talk to me. Like, can I talk to like, let me rap with these guys, you know, but that wasn't an opportunity. So that's why I feel a duty now that I've found the equivalent of, you know, a, a career that could pay you a lot that you can get into with a low, you know, there's a low barrier of entry, you know, it's attainable and you can go as far as you want. You can, you know, become an inventor or innovator. You can work for NASA. You could do all these different things. You could be a Courtney Tate who has his own shop. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's important to be not only present, but attainable. Right. So that's why I could do my, I could do a virtual tour. Like I could do, you know, like, put me on zoom for your classroom. And I do do that sometimes, but the importance of me being in this space with these kids, they can reach out, they can touch, they can feel, and it's real. And the story is real. And it is, is it, it goes with them. So now it's like, okay, what classes should, do I need to start taking right now? Right. Yeah. What, what is the local places that I need to start looking at so I can apply? How do I apply? How do I apply to college? You know what I'm saying? Like, all of these different things, now they're thinking of them because it's okay. relevant and it's culturally relevant and it's relevant to them in a way that it's attainable. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so you you said a couple of different things in there that I want to touch on. First, uh, you talked about your tour. Uh, last year when we talked, you hadn't gone on tour yet. Tell us about the last year and and. Tell us about the tour that you went on in, in 23, man. It, it, from what I saw on LinkedIn and social media, cause you got to follow Drew on whatever. So like you, you can't f- switch on any social media and not find him. So find him on social media at Drew, uh, Crow, the MFG, I think is what it is on most uh, channels. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it looked amazing, man. You're, you're, influencing lives you're touching lives tell us about it 
So um, last year was was a success again, like like 22 was. And we're going to keep growing this year, you know. So um, last year we got to hit uh, another 10 cities. Um, and each one of those cities, it was the same thing. Stories of kids, you know, finding their way, finding their focus, finding a, a, a place to go. And what we started to do with um, our partners, MasterCam and Cam Instructor and some other partners is actually so into these these districts that I'm going to see. So, um, you know, whether that means giving them 3D printers or mini routers, uh, giving them software to be able to not only learn and do but we given software, Cam Instructor has instruction software. So if you've got a teacher that doesn't know this and you want to be able to teach these things and you're in a district that doesn't have a budget, here you go. Like, here's your class and your pathway to start building these things out right now. Right. So yeah. my tour for anybody that doesn't know um, was called the New American Manufacturing Renaissance Tour for the past two years. This year. And going forward, we're the Champions of Champions Tour. Um, and the reason we're changing the name is, number one, it's just a, a lot to say and to put on the flyer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, then, and then, two, you know, um, the Champions of Champions. Like, you know, our industry, nothing gets made unless we touch it, right? Yeah. And that includes, you know, the, the machines that are building the buildings, the parts that go into the buildings, the things we fly in, the things that we drive, the clothes that we wear. So we're the unsung champions of America, of the globe, really, you know, and we yeah. need to start showing, you know, the importance of what we do and why what we do is necessary. And then, you know, those are the champions of America. But us who are already here, we need to champion them. Right. Yeah. We need to be their biggest supporters and them their mentors. So champions of champions tour um, this year, we're going to be launching in April and we have. 10 cities lined up. I'm looking to do 15. So if you are interested in having us come out, please reach out to me as soon as possible. Um, AMT and IMTS are sponsoring this year. MasterCam, um, MSC, Cam Instructor. So we've got some great sponsors so far. We're looking for two more. So if you'd like to have uh, uh, an impact in our skills gap, in our diversity gap, that is meaningful please reach out as well. And this is how the tour is set up. I go to a city for two days. The first day I'm in front of uh, job seekers and students, usually middle to high school students. And we like to have it at a technology center or a technical college. So we bring the kids in to the auditorium. We do a dynamic two hour show. We feed them lunch. And then we let them tour the facility. So all of the things that we just talked about, my story, stories of local people that look like you that are in the industry and a panel discussion. After you hear all of those exciting things, we want to walk you through this campus so you can not only see what it looks like, but see where to go and make it real for your life. So after I leave and you have all of this excitement, you can get started in your own place and you can really connect those dots. Yeah. A lot of the technical schools have reported increases um, in signups for STEM camps and signups for dual enrollment programs and signups for uh, seniors that are leaving and don't have a plan for college. Um, they're getting more enrollees. Um, other instructors are reporting that 
local schools are doing more tours. One of my instructors at, at a college um, had texted me and he was like, you know, I've never seen anything like this. I'm doing multiple tours a week, if not multiple a day since you've been here. So those are the type of results that we're looking to get, helping build that ecosystem, helping connect dots and make it real. Not only benefiting the community, but benefiting, you know, the technical college system in our industry at the end of the day. The second day that I spend in the city is with industry because industry wants to hire people. Industry really has a need and they want to reach back to these communities. But a lot of the times they don't have the proper vessel or the proper spokesperson or the proper ways to get real results when they do. You know, so I've heard things like, hey, I've got an internship program where we'll pay for them to come and go to school for half a day. But when we reach out to the communities, nobody signs up. It kind of falls on deaf ears. And I introduce them to ways that they can do it better. I introduce them to the local people that can be that conduit for them um, if it can't be me myself. So we start those conversations. We do effective recruiting and retention strategies. Um, and we, we help the industry start linking back after I leave and, and building that, that um, ecosystem and that pipeline together. I love it, man. I love it. So what are, what are some of the, uh, the stops on this year's tour? Uh, you said you need five more. I hope yeah. my listeners will fill the rest of Drew's calendar. Um, Drew, wh what are the five, uh, the 10 cities that you already had booked out? So we'll be in uh, DC. We'll be in Baltimore. We'll be in Seattle. We'll be, um, I think, back in L.A. I don't know if that one is confirmed yet. Um, St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, uh, Cleveland, um, Tampa, Florida, Tampa and Sarasota. I count that as one. Right. Um, and then I just came back from Texas. So we're looking at Dallas and Houston. So that's right. actually 11. Uh, that are confirmed. I am talking to my friends in Arkansas and Nebraska about going back, but I am looking to do um, uh, 15 this year. So All let right. me get outside. Let me get to your campus. Uh, let's get the community in there and let's help build out, put some butts in your seats and, and build this pipeline and fill it up for that local industry because we all need each other, you know? So let me ask you a question selfishly. Um, if I wanted you to come to Arizona, but I needed you in Tucson and in Phoenix at two different schools, could we make that happen? Man, we can make that happen. Let's, let's holler at the, the local, right. uh, associations out there and let's put our heads together and figure out how to do it. But, uh, well, man, I was just so happened. I was just elected board president for skill Arizona. That. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I may know a guy who can uh, help make that happen. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard. That. <laughs> so give him, a, give him a little nudge. For yeah, it, it'll be a little elbow poke, but yeah, let's let's make that happen, man. Uh, because I, I I just toured the the school down in Tucson, Pima Community College. Um, okay. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, setup, man, and they're uh, part of this drive to get more students into manufacturing they they're part of uh biden's new plan uh to get uh they they want a thousand new uh enrollments in in, in this year so That's let's help them get there 
Um, yes, one hundred percent. And this is the way that we do it, right? We yep. we we collaborate, and we if we can't do it, we get the voices and the people that are going to be effective. And and again, you know, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to help people do. I want to make sure that all of this effort and all of this good, positive intention doesn't go to waste. And it's as impactful as it needs to be and as it can be. You know, yeah. Arizona, like a lot of different places in the United States, have, you know, uh, an issue where we've been so divided for so long and we've been so far away from this industry where now these shops are right here in the backyard and we don't even know that they're there. We don't know how to get there. It's yep. completely foreign, you know, to yep. these communities. So I love the fact that we're being intentional now and, and, you know, I'm here. Well, man, you were, you were a big, uh, mentor, uh, in, in my intentional journey, right. In, in my pathway to being more intentional in how I approach the industry, how I approach this podcast, bringing guests on, um, the thematic, uh, idea came from our conversations last year about being more intentional about going out and, and finding, uh, representation for different groups within the industry, um, to, to highlight their journeys. Right. And, and this and, year, and tell me this, tell me this, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. As, as, as a, a white male, I'd call you an ally. Yeah. But as a white male in this industry, did you lose any, did it cost you anything <laughs> to do any of this for real? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like <laughs> advocacy doesn't, it's not going to hurt. You know what I'm saying? And not only did it not cost you anything, but you're helping propel careers. You know what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. you're helping to put a spotlight on people that do deserve it, that don't get it traditionally. And I want to commend you for that because again, you know, you could have just listened to what I say. There's a lot of people that are out here that call themselves, you know, Drew, I'm your friend. I'm your ally. I stand side by side with you. And I really appreciate that. And I love the love that they give me, but it's like, yo, don't just love me, love people that look like me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And if you think that, you know, I'm, I'm worthy of that love. Think about how many other people are, right? So you not only heard my words, but you're using my words and we're, we're all benefiting for it. So I want to thank you. And I also thank you. want to highlight that, you know what I'm saying? Because again, there's a lot of people that are in your position and they look like you right now and they don't know what to do. They know, Hey, there's, there's, there are problems and I can be somebody that can help at least shed light on it or do the smallest things that I can do. Just wish, wish, a, wish a black person had black, happy black history month or just make a post. You know what I'm saying? Like that just, Hey, I recognize you. I see you. I might not know how to do, you know what I'm saying? But once someone from the community says, Hey, try this and you actually do it. That's what makes a difference. That's, taking a step forward. You know what I'm saying? And that's being an ally. So for people that are in your position that say, I don't know where to start. I don't want to do the wrong things because that's right. tough too. Right. I don't want to do the wrong things. It's scary. But I do know that there has been some historic, you know, issues and, and systemic stuff that's still going on today and things aren't right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So where can I start? What is the least thing that I can do? And 
you're killing it, man. So thank you thank for you. being an example. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for the kind words. Um, I, I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I'm meeting so many new people because I, I'm much more open, right? And and much more intentional in who I'm seeking at trade shows, at conferences, online, on LinkedIn, et cetera, right? I'm meeting so many cool people that just, when we have conversations, it's just, it's joyful, it's heart-wrenching, it's sad, it's depressing, and it's back to joyful. Like the, it's just, it's amazing. You take the time to sit down and, and just talk to human beings about their journey. It's amazing what you can learn about them. Right. And, and how much more filled my cup is because of that. And, and making a post about black history month, literally I've lost zero viewers. I've lost zero listeners. Oh, man. I've lost zero followers on any social media. So, And I'd also argue <laughs> if you did as a result of that, those aren't the ones you want anyway. That's a, exactly. that's a, a service to you. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, think that, I think that that's the important thing to, to remember. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you're, there's, there's not going to be any loss for being an ally, being a person that does the right thing, you only grow because of it. And the the interactions that you're having gives you more of an insight on what people are afflicted with in our industry. So now you can say, I know my friends that also happen to be black have told me that they're dealing with this, this, or this, or this was what their pathway looked like. So let me see where I'm in instances that I can do something about that, that, or that, I keep that on the front of my mind because those are my friends. Those are my colleagues. Yeah. And I know that, you know, this is something that they consistently tell me, you know what I'm saying? So how can I not only make it better for now, but make it better for, again, these people that are coming behind us that are increasingly identifying as minorities and women, you know what I'm saying? So. Yep. How do we make the world better, the industry better, and ourselves better at the same time? If you flip the script, (laughs) excuse me. So if you flip the script without, you know, throwing anybody under the bus, but this was a teachable moment for um, one of my instructors. Okay. You know, I was, I was at ranking, like you said, in the, in the, in the intro. And one of the instructors that worked with me um, was like, you know, we had, like one black student in there and he was struggling coming to class and being in class and his particular class and like kind of sitting in the back and um you know the rest of the students in the class were from rural areas like extremely rural where they didn't really interact with too much black and they didn't know culture right and my instructors were you know for lack of better words, kind of the same way, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but being older, they had a little bit more experience with black people, you know, and the school, the college is in an all black area. So most of the people come in to, you know, go to the school, but the campus looks nothing like outside the gates. Got it. So the instructor came to school and he was like, you know, I was driving into school this morning and I saw a bunch of black men that were like, working age like 20s and 30s and they were just outside and he was like you know i just wonder if they can be outside how come they're not working 
And I was like, you know, when you drove in, you drove through your neighborhood first. Did yeah. you see any white people outside? And he right. said, yeah, I saw plenty of white people outside. I said, well, what did you assume that they were doing? Right. I assume well, they were running on their way, getting ready to go to work, having a morning run, or, you know, maybe just worked overnight and just came home. And it's like, you know, it's all about your mentality and the way that you think and the way that you view people. These yeah. are the same. Just They're just two different areas. And the people that you saw outside, because they looked like you, because you knew their stories, or you knew stories of people like them, that you empathize and sympathize with why they were outside and you painted a better picture. But because you don't spend time being intentional, talking to people who aren't like you and interacting with people who look like you, you know, you assume that they are they're up to no good because you're only interaction with the culture is maybe rap music or what you see on the news. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So you have to actually get out. And then I put it in perspective for him. I was like, what black people, your black friends that you know, who do you know? And he named like, you know, 10 black people that were his friends. Right. And I said, where do you know them from? Oh, I worked with this guy. I worked with that guy. At da, 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 da. I worked, you know, they were all people that he do from work. So I said, just by your own statistics, Every black person that you know has a job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a great so why, point, man. I love so why that. do you so why do you assume that all black people that are outside of the working age don't have a job when your actual actual experience with all the black people that you know yeah. was through work? They work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And then and so and so then at that point it it made sense. And I could have canceled them, I could have like yelled at them, I could have like whatever. <laughs> But that's if if we use these things as a teaching moment and, you know, make it relatable, then they can understand. Everybody can understand that it starts here and here. Right. And yeah. then all this makes more sense, if that yep. makes sense. You know, so absolutely. At the same time in this industry, you know. Again, like I said, we had the one student at, at that in that cohort and. Um, like I say, he was sitting in the back, he was struggling and the teacher asked like, you know, what's up with him? Why doesn't he open up? Why doesn't he, you know, join on the rest of the class? And I was like, dude, you just got to think about it. If you went to school or to work where you were the only white person there and you're all your instructors and all of your classmates were white and you came, you didn't interact with black people a lot and you just went into an all black environment. Yeah. How would you feel? What would exactly. you? And he was like, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't even go. I wouldn't even go to work there. I wouldn't even, you know what I'm saying? And that's his truth. And that is truthful. So think about your black counterparts at your job that might be the only one. And think about, you know, schools and tech schools and training schools or women or whatever it may be. It's Black History Month. Uh, so I'm going to keep it on that. But, you know, yeah. just be more empathetic and just understand everybody's journey didn't look like mine coming here. And before I write a person off or try to think about what a person is before I know them, I need to, you know, take a step back yeah. and actually, you know, be intentional about, you know, learning some of these things and, and, and hearing about them, you know? Well, and that's a great part about EQ, right? It is, it is learnable. It is something you can develop. IQ, you can't develop. You can't yeah. develop 
intellect, right? You can learn new things, but you can't develop your capacity. Mm. EQ, you can develop your capacity for empathy, for emotional intelligence, right? And sometimes it takes just a, a conversation like you had with that instructor, right? Instead of berating him, hey, let me let me change the dynamic of this conversation a little bit and yes. put you in that person's shoes, right? And I think I think that's why I find the success that I do in in working with industry and in working with companies because I've heard it all, but I understand a lot of times it comes from a place of misunderstanding and yeah. it comes from a place of not having the knowledge. But once you get the knowledge, and I'm here to teach you, you know, and show you. What you do with that is on you. Now, now it's in your, you know, your court, right? But you, if, if you're have the intention on, Hey, I want to know, I want to know why this kid isn't doing this. I want to know why those people are outside like that, you know, and not in a bad way because his intention was if they're not working, we need to get outside and go tell them about this school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. However, I just had to give him the perspective of, I know your heart's in a good place. I know your right. mind's in a good place, but, you know, think about it like this. And if we're out there, you know, handing out this stuff for these these jobs in this school and these guys, I just work third shift. Like, come on, right. like, <laughs> cope with it. that's a problem. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely. So, so, again, it's just perspective and it's empathy and you know we lead with love and we lead with trying to teach a lesson then that's the most important part i talked about that in um um one of the interviews i did for news and brews at ime west you know i and we, when we kind of brushed on it this morning like i am i'm different i'm in my own you know lane that I'm I'm carving for myself, but it's authentic. And sometimes all the time I call it like I see it, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not calling it like I see it to vilify anyone. And I'm not calling it like I see it to call anybody out. I'm just calling you up. You know what I'm saying? And if I say, Hey, yo, this is an issue. This is a problem that we have. You know, I'm saying it to point it out to say, we're, manufacturers we're all about efficiency and effectiveness here's a hole in our boat let's plug it you know what i'm saying like let's let's use our engineering and our manufacturing minds to say let's be more effective and efficient let's have better processes and the people process is a part of it you know a huge part of it and then also i don't i'm not going to preach something without pointing out something as well like when it comes to advocacy for other groups, last year, for a whole year, every Wednesday, I did a Working Women Wednesday shout out yeah. where I shouted people out in our industry that I would met. I'm inspired by that. You know, I want to just use my platform to be able to help them build theirs. You know what yep. I'm saying? Absolutely. And and it 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 didn't. It didn't hurt me. All I <laughs> did was learn from it. You know what I'm right. saying? I learned I pra- if if this is what I'm telling the industry to do, why can't I do it? You know what I'm saying? So let's take the lead, let's practice what we preach, and let's get better because of it. And and 
I made mistakes. It was women calling me out for some of the posts that I made and some of the language that I used. And all that did was make me better and give me Absolutely. a better perspective on how to be a better ally. You know what I'm saying? And instead of, you know, doing this, I did that. I listened. Okay. Where did I go wrong or how could I have done this better? Teach me. You know what I'm saying? And while through teaching me, since we're doing it on a public place, you're teaching everybody, everybody. that's on my timeline as well. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we're not pointing it, pointing stuff out, calling stuff out. We're calling our, our we're calling ourselves up and we're we're expecting better from all of us. You know what I'm saying? Including myself. And you do it without judgment, man. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's, uh, you know, it'd be really easy for you in your position to be very judgmental of posts that may not hit the mark, right? Had had the right intention, but may have missed a mark, right? Yeah. But you do that without judgment. You do that with coaching and mentorship instead of judgment and browbeating. Right. And yeah, does yeah. that make sense? Um, 1000%. And, and I, I feel like, you know, that's the grace that I would expect. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I'm not a perfect person and, and, you know, obviously cause I'm transparent with my story. I know I messed up a lot of times, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this is public record. You feel me? So, um, I know that, that I'm in a place where, you know, I'm going to teach what I know and I'm going to learn what I don't know. And I want to be a continuous learner and you can't learn with your ears closed, right? And your mind closed. So I like to extend that same grace and mercy to people because, you know, you'd rather, you know, take your medicine with sugar than straight. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's easier if our intention is to call people out or like, you know, down people for not knowing then we don't grow from that. You know what I'm saying? But our attention has to be growth, understanding, and learning. So no matter where you come as a teacher and as a person that's hoping to get you this lesson, it's on me to teach you the way that you can receive it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And not on me to make you feel bad for not knowing. Uh, because again, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the things that, that I'll draw a correlation to, I, I teach uh, a leadership cohort here in Arizona through the MEP here. Um, and one of the things that I, I try and teach these students about from a fairly diverse background, and it's getting more diverse, so that's neat, um, is when you compromise, nobody gets 100% of what you want, of what they want. But when you collaborate, when you work together, everybody wins. It's a win-win situation, right? So let's stop compromising. Let's stop compromising uh, when we look at other people's journeys, when we are talking about our own journeys. Let's collaborate. Let's get stories out there because everybody's got a story. Let's let's hear their journeys, right? And that's yeah. really what this podcast is, is yeah. all about. Yep. Another thing I want to say, and this is important for me to say during Black History Month as well, is when it comes to us telling black stories, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, my story is my story where I came from the streets and I did all this. But there is not just like there's not like one white story in America. There's not just one black story. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, let's tell the range of 
of black American stories because it is American history, right? And I think a lot of times, you know, we get stuck in this in this cycle of, you know, there's we watch movies and black and black people playing thugs and and you know, like, you know, strippers and stuff like that. And we watch music videos get pushed in our face and we portray these certain images. But it's like, you know, there are a lot of black people that are in two family households that, you know, have great upbringings and all these different things that also have a perspective and they also have a unique story. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? And just like that, you know, there's a wide variety of white people and even, you know, women and all these different things. There isn't just one way to connect. You know what I'm saying? There yep. isn't just one story that we want to keep telling because that's not everybody's story. And that's not the only, you know, black American story. Now, yep. unfortunately, it is the one that gets told the most, I feel like, or it gets told a lot. Um, and unfortunately, there's a lot of us that are afflicted by, you know, that one story, unfortunately, you know, because of systemic things and a lot of things that didn't go our way, you know, yep. however, Absolutely. however, there is breakthrough, you know what I'm saying? And and like, even my kids, my kids right now, my kids don't know about the hood, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> my kids know about, know about pictures that they see. They know their uncles. They know, you know, when we go back, like, for hood day or, like, whatever it is. But, like, man, they don't know nothing about that. And that that's the goal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they got a mom and dad. They go to private schools. You know what I'm saying? They get to travel the world and see trade shows and geek out on tech stuff. And that's just as much as a Black American story as mine. You know what I'm saying? As, as different people. So um, I think, you know, that's another challenge for us to do. In this month, in Black History Month, let's not just talk about the Martin Luthers and the Malcolms and the Roses. Like, let's reach our, let's open our brains a little bit more and say what other American Black stories are out there that deserve to be told and deserve to be put on these types of pedestals. You know what I'm yep. saying? Because there's a such a wide range of it. And, you know, we also need to be reminded. We need to be reminded because our story didn't start as slavery. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. we were king. Like, we did all different things. We invented a lot. We made a lot of things. We made things that we're using every day. And I know this is going to segue into the next question. I mean, the next one. but Part two, let's man. Be, let's let's yeah. save that for part two. I love I right. love the world you're on, but right. let's save that sentiment yeah. for part two, yeah. man. Stay <laughs> No, but you're right. I mean, I, 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 and that's been part of this podcast journey over the last year since you and I last recorded was being more intentional. Again, highlighting a, a, a black journeys for the month of February. And I'll tell you, you, you talked about continually learning and, and people coming back to you with, with your women, uh, workforce women Wednesdays, right? I posted the very first episode for black history month, black journeys with Courtney Tate. <laughs> and on one of the social media platforms, uh, I mentioned, Hey, this is how we're celebrating black history month. Here's a, the first episode. And I had somebody who is not manufacturing. I've never met before, but it's a public profile on, on whatever platform it was on reach out to me and said, 
and ask me if this was my token attempt. If the rest of 2024 was going to be as inclusive, if I was being as intentional the rest of the year as I was for February. And that goes to your point. Black history is American history. Yeah. Right. And, and so I've, I did a better job this year in being intentional about February. Yeah. But I have to continue that work. And so it wasn't an attack on me. It wasn't a judgment of me as a person. It was a way for me to get better and realize, okay, I've made the first step here. Yes. The second step is making sure that this is intentional year round. Right. And, yeah. and not just making myself feel good about highlighting plaque journeys in February. This needs to be an ongoing thing. And so yeah. I, I, I like, I love the feedback. He and I now converse. He, he's listened to all three episodes that have come out so far this month. Uh, he's helping guide me through finding other people. Uh, That's dope. In imagine, other if, imagine if, imagine if you weren't open though, you know what I'm saying? Um, As an ally, imagine if you let, if you, if you receive that in a way. That, right. you know, you felt like, oh, man, he's trying to vilify me. You know what I'm saying? Then you, your network wouldn't be connected to now who he's connected to. You wouldn't yeah. have the opportunity to learn what they're teaching you, right? And absolutely, that's my, this is my, so intentionality. Let's go back to this. We can't say that we got an issue with the skills gap. We can't say that we need to diversify. And then when we have the vehicle that could be something that can do it. We don't, we don't, you know, right. do it the right way. We don't do it properly. So let me ask you a question, man. Um, and, and then we'll wrap up part one here pretty quick. Um, let me ask you a question. Arizona, right? You, you look at Gateway Community College right here in Phoenix. It's down by the airport. Uh, it, it's a hike from West Phoenix, which is, more disadvantaged, right? Yeah. It's it's a bus ride or two or three or whatever, yeah. right? So we we talk a lot in this industry about, you know, getting this next generation involved. How do we touch those communities that are two and three buses away from having access to an amazing technical college, right? How do we, how do we help create sustainable career paths in areas that don't have the ability to get to that? Does that make sense? Does that question it make makes sense? a whole lot of sense? It makes a whole lot of sense. And I'm glad you asked, uh, because a lot of times people see me and they think that I'm just a guy getting people aware about our industry, which that is a big part of what I do. Right. But a, a more um, substantial part of what I do is working with schools to do exactly that and not just schools, but right now I'm working with the Century Foundation and the Urban Manufacturing Alliance on an industry and inclusion cohort with 12 workforce or eight workforce training centers and 12 technical colleges so that we can come up with these solutions and we can, you know, build a SOP pretty much for this is what works. These are best practices. These are mm -hmm. things that are going to give you your ROI. Uh, because again, 
things like this are not just a Tucson problem, not just a St. Louis problem, not just a Detroit problem. It's an American problem. You know what I'm saying? And we do have solutions that can work. So when we find that uh, the system is like that, where the technical colleges, well, first I'll say technical colleges for a lot of people in these afflicted areas are, is going to be the gateway into our industry or an apprentice program. A lot of times we're not jumping from where we were in our non-understanding into a four-year engineering program. You know what I'm saying? And that doesn't even seem attainable for us. And a lot of these places, they're going to be the first generation person going to any type of higher education after Mm -hmm. high school majority of the time. And that's not only just true for the urban areas, but the extremely rural areas as well. So the Tandle Colleges... Not to interrupt, but it's also... Potentially the first time in their family's history, somebody's graduated high school, right? right I mean, exactly. Not just when making it to college. Yeah. It's yes. finishing that, that secondary education. As yeah. Well. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So number one, um, and I'll say this as well. This is a shameless plug, but <laughs> every Friday, every Friday, because of this question and because people asking me, how do I get started? I'm doing a top three trade schools in each state, right? So we can find out who's doing what right, how they're connecting, where, you know, the people that are watching me, where they can go in their own area to connect with these careers. And what I'm finding when I'm doing my research, when I'm going around and I'm touring, when I'm talking to presidents of colleges, dorms, if you're disconnected from the the industry, if you have some type of living situation, I mean, from the community, if you have some type of living situation set up, That'll take that commute away, number one, but it'll also remove you from your environment that created a lot of the situations that you're in right now. You know what I'm saying? And I was talking to Shannon Groose. She's the president of State Tech here in Saint, uh, in Missouri, right? Yeah. They're in Jefferson City, which is maybe a two-hour drive. Um, and we're working on a solution to build a pipeline back to St. Louis because, again, a lot of the times, you know, there are technical colleges in St. Louis, but they're so you you go to the technical college and then you go home back to the neighborhood and the influences and the things that you don't have. So you can't focus on that. If yeah. you are one of these first generation college students, you know what I'm saying? You might also be the person that they're leaning on to be the breadwinner. So you got pressure from your family in a weird way. You got pressure from your community and the culture in a weird way. And you can't just relax and focus on school. So recognizing those barriers and doing things to be able to remove them. Um, Transportation issues. Understanding that if a person has to take three buses, there's a chance they might be late to class. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And I can't, I can't give you, especially in trade school. So like, I know when I when I was teaching, our classes were four hours. There was four hours uh uh in the in the classroom. Wow. Broken up two hours classroom, two hours in the in the in the shop. And then you go to another class the second half of the day, right? So yeah. you're there for eight hours. You know what I'm saying? So this episode is brought to you by Speroni. Revolutionize your shop floor with Spironi, where cutting-edge technology meets craftsmanship. Elevate precision, amplify productivity. Spironi. Experience, tradition, the future. Understand, 
this kid, because of all the things that can happen in public transportation and whatever it may be, they might have had to wake up three hours early just to get here on time. They might be 15 minutes late. So don't give them a point for being 15 minutes late. They might be a little bit groggy. They might not have had their shop floor coffee. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They woke up early. They're not as clear like, yo, under, yeah. And when you understand like real situations, then you can understand like, yo, let's not create more mental barriers for this person and this student. Another thing that I would say is be intentional about the instructors that you hire, right? Um, you have to create an environment and a culture that says, not only did I recruit you to come to my school, I want you to be here. You're important, right? You have mentors and, and advisors that look like you where you can lean on. Like I was talking about uh, Marquez earlier. You know, he was the only one in that class. But because his teacher could come to me and ask me things, I could explain some of the things that Marquez maybe doesn't feel comfortable or even know the words to make yeah. this man understand where he's coming from. Yes. So being able to have an advocate in the school for you helps with some of those relations where this instructor was well-intended, but he thought this kid was just tuned out. And it's not that he's tuned out. It's just these other things that are going on and he might just not know how, right? Yeah. Um, there was a situation when I was teaching, not even in my department. This was in the automotive department where some kids were watching a TikTok with the sound on and the N-word came up and it was a black kid in class. He started flipping tables over, you know what I'm saying? And the instructors, didn't understand why this kid was so mad. He, they couldn't, they just couldn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like all of you 65 year old white men don't get where this young 22, but young black man is at mentally. You know what I'm saying? To make him do something like that. Maybe not the correct response from him, but definitely not from you either. When now he's sitting at home with the three day suspension. But the kids that were playing the video are still in class. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's like we're sending a lot of the wrong messages even at this level without even knowing that you're doing it. So reach out to the industry and the community and find an advocate, you know, for people from these communities to be here. Also, if you're from this community, you know how to reach back and talk to them. You know the things that are afflicted. So once I became an instructor at this technical college, I knew what high schools didn't know that this college was here, didn't know the programs that we had could benefit the most. You know, so I'm visiting those high schools on career fair days. I'm helping those high schools build out career fairs. Right. I'm bringing my resources to these places, being intentional because I come from the community and I know who needs it the most. I'm not just going to the schools that we always get kids from that always saw our representation because they're going to come. They're going to yeah. come anyway. They know enough to where they'll come, whether we're at their school or not, but they've never seen it. They have no idea what we're doing. They have no idea how to actually reach that goal. So, you know, and that's, I think that's the goal this year with skill up here in Arizona, right? Is we we've done a great job of the rebranding and taking our message and our programs into the high schools that have CTE programs, right? Yeah. That, that already have that pathway into the career technical colleges, right? Now, this year, 2024, is really built on, let's go to the areas that don't have CTE programs, that don't have yeah. CNC machines. Let's start talking to those kids about these 
sustainable careers and how do they get there and the money that's there available regardless of skin color or background right uh we've got apprenticeship we've got a scholarship foundation we've got a lot of different buckets of money that we're willing to give people from whatever background they come from uh but we had we had to as a board as an organization say okay Historically, we've we've been really great partners with this high school, this high school, this district, this district that have these CTE programs. Now it's time to go outside of that. Now it's time yeah. to start impacting other communities. And there's a good chance, not just the students, but the instructors, the teachers, the guidance counselors, the parents need to know what's Absolutely. going on as well, because all of the work that you guys have done in those communities might might even have kids that go to those schools yourself live and reside in those communities you're already there your presence is already there people know you you're active in there you know what i'm saying they're gonna find a way to connect if they've got the question they've got the network a lot of times even though the resources are available they don't have when you come from underserved communities you don't have the network or you don't have the uh, ability to be enabled to even find and search. You don't even know where to look to know that these things are available. So that's why we got to be more intentional and help them build these things out and, and show them like, okay, this is why a CTE program manufacturing facing is going to be important for your community and for the students that go here, right. For your kids, you know, if we're talking to parents, right. So, so we've got to, Again, like you said, I'm glad that you all are doing it. Be intentional about reaching people who probably don't look like you or live in your neighborhood. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, and I think the way that we talk about it, and, and I learned this from Courtney uh, Tate, right? Uh, he, The way he talks to young people about manufacturing, right? And I learned a lot from you, but this was more recent. So nothing against yeah. you and, and yeah. your approach. Um, yeah. But Courtney talks to young people about the mold that the, the dunks that they're wearing was yeah. made in, right? And connects to the things that they literally have on their body or that yeah. they want to put on their car or whatever he connect. Hey, you want rims? Well, let me show you how these rims are made. Right? Yeah. You want you like those Jordans? The soles of Jordans are made. You know, creating this mold, and and yeah. this is how we create a mold is by machining, and that to me was that. genius, man. Yeah. When you yeah. are able to connect kids to what they care about with this industry. That's amazing. And I, and I've seen you connect on the personal level, right? Telling your story. Yeah. So for me, for me, I love that. And I think that that is an important step, but I try to take it a step before that, you know, before the, 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 what we make and the, how we make it. I like to talk about the why, like why I'm here, why I'm making it. And I'll ask students, you know what I'm saying? Like, why are when they used to come through tours or like when they I ask them what they want to be before I do my whole spiel, what do you want to be? You know what I'm saying? And they'll say different careers and I ask why. And one kid one time was like, yo, I just 
don't know what I want to do, but I want to have all the Jordans when they come out and I want to have a Hellcat. You know what I'm saying? And I could have told him, like, we make those things. But what I told him was, okay, Google entry level CNC machinists on average here in this area. And he Googled it. And I think it was like, you know, $58,000 a year or something like that starting out. Right. And then I said, all right, Google um, uh, mechanical engineer. You know what I'm saying? Look at that. That was like 125,000 starting out, right? And I said, now, if you think about it, how many Hellcats and Jordans can you buy with that salary? You know what I'm saying? Like, you could have them all. You could have them all times three. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, no matter what, the, this is just the means that, that I'm going to get you there because it's something tangible. It's something I can show you exactly how to do. You don't have to go to school right now for six years straight. You could get in through an apprenticeship program internship program program like jark you know what i'm saying where they give you free job training turn those certificates into an associate's degree bachelor's degree however you want to do it but you're getting paid on the way you know what i'm saying um so so uh we ended up getting that kid a job at honeywell and they started him off at 36 dollars an hour you know what i'm saying first job generational change and that's what's important but my background um, I was that kid, you know what I'm saying? I am from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and all the parts you see on the news, that's, that's the parts we would bounce around from. My mom worked as many jobs as she could, uh, you know, and, and tried to do her best, you know, by yeah. my brothers and sisters and myself. And, uh, you know, God bless her heart, but, you know, we've often found our times and situations where, we were still standing in the need of a blessing, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> uh, not having um, a ton of, you know, positive role models in my life and my father, you know, uh, kind of being absent in my life, I didn't have, uh, you know, good direction, you know what I'm saying? And um, I wanted to help my mom more than anything. I used to see how she used to work so hard and come home and just sleep, you know what I'm saying? Cause that's all her body, her, her body would just shut down. You know what I'm saying? And she did everything for us, right? She spent all of her money that she had on us and never really had nothing for herself. So for me, it was like, this woman deserves everything. You know what I'm saying? So I got out in the streets early and who's hiring the streets always hiring. And I took those chances and took those gambles because I wanted my mama to get her rest and be able to hop back up and do something for herself instead of going to clock in for somebody else that was underpaying her for her time. You know what I'm saying? And being a smart black woman, being a driven black woman, you know what I'm saying? Like she deserved all the opportunities that were going to people that didn't look like her and she still endured. You know what I'm saying? So I ended up in the streets, unfortunately, and I know she raised me better than that, but I just wanted to do you know, right by my mama, man. And and I had that drive early. I couldn't wait till I was 18 and I was trying to go to college and four more years after that and get a job and whatever. Yeah. I didn't know my mama had time like that. You know what I'm saying? So um, I was in the streets. Quickly, street activity happened. So I would find myself in and out of jail. You know what I'm saying? And I just had this cycle of getting locked up and not knowing what to do, getting out, teenage father you know what i'm saying and and i'm committing felonies and i'm you know just trying to feed my kids man and i'm trying to you know be a blessing to my mama and this is the only way i knew how right but eventually 
things get old, you know what I'm saying? And and you get tired of risking your life, risking other people's lives. And I thank God I had the introspect at that age to where I said enough is enough. So um, I reached out to the community and I was just like, yo, I need a job. Right. And um, a person reached back and said, I can't get you a job, but I can get you an interview. And I ended up interviewing at a machine shop with an old white man from the sticks named Donnie Ogle. And Donnie Ogle sat across from me and he didn't have any judgments. You know what I'm saying? And if he did, he didn't, he didn't let it, you know, over, you know, oversee, supersede the interaction that we were having. And I said on another podcast with uh, John Franco, you know, that first 15 minutes in an interview it's really, really important. Like, you know, are you really getting to know this person or not? And instead of Donnie asking me about like, you know, my technical knowledge, we do get to that later. But before he asked me about my technical knowledge, he asked about me and what this job will mean to me and why I want this job. Right. And I told him, you know, how I, I was not the best person. And when you run my name, you're going to see that, you know, but if you give me an opportunity, I can show you who I am now, who I want to be. And he said, you know what, if that's the if that's the mentality that you have and you actually have that mentality, I can I can I can get you to exactly where you want to that you say you want to be. You know what I'm saying? So he said, I got two positions. One is on the saw. One is a uh, as a machinist. And I asked him what they paid. I think the saw at the time was like fourteen dollars an hour and the machinist was nineteen fifty. And uh <laughs> This is at the height of the recession. <laughs> and so, so I was like, yeah, I want to be a machinist for sure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I smoke. So not even knowing what it was. So uh, Donnie slid me uh, a machinist test. This back in the day when they still gave those, you know what yep. I'm saying? And uh, on one side, it had like calipers and micrometers and different measuring tools. And it was like, you know, identify these tools. And then what's the reading on each one of them, right? And so I did horrible, failed that whole side. And then on the other side was just measurements. Like, you know, show me where a quarter is or, yeah. you know, uh, uh, an eighth, uh, you know. So I did great on that side because I knew fraction <laughs> my old job. Right? I knew how to bust it down, right? So so that was what's an eighth plus a quarter, right? So yeah. I got that side great. And he was like, um, you're definitely not a machinist, but I'm going to throw you on a saw. But if everything that you're saying is true, I'll make a machinist out of you and you'll be able to take this as far as you want to go. This is an art that's been a dying art. And if you treat it that way and you respect it, you're going to get everything out of this that you wanted. And I still didn't at the time, I couldn't put into perspective what Man. that meant at the time. But like, look at me now, dog. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's nothing awesome. that I could have ever you know, I set the standard, I set the bar at machinist, right? And he got me there, but then programmer and then getting to go into engineering school and, and yeah. all these different things because of what this industry gave me, being a father, you know what I'm saying? And being able to provide and take care for my kids, going on tour to help other kids find this industry and provide for themselves. And it was because of a seed that Donnie Ogle planted. And that's another thing that I want to highlight is it doesn't take black people to lift up black people. It doesn't take a woman to hire and empower a woman. 
You can do this for people that you are nothing alike. Just believing in somebody and telling them that they believe in you will help them believe in themselves. So I started coming to work every single, I was never on time for anything in my life. You know what I'm saying? They say, they call it CP time. I was on CP three times. Like I'm going to be late if I'm coming at all. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is the first thing that I wanted to make sure I was here on time because me and Donnie made this promise to each other and he told me he's going to get me somewhere and that I can be somebody. So I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. So I started showing up 15 minutes early, every shift, work my butt off the whole shift. You know what I'm saying? And then after the shift, I would clock out. First shift would come and all the machinists would come in, driving their nice cars, talking about their lake houses that they built. And I'm just in there listening. And instead of dressing out now off the clock, I'm, I got a notebook and I'm just back there, like taking notes, taking notes, taking notes, trying to learn. You know what I'm saying? Teach me and teach me, teach me, man. So I got the, um, a machinist manual, bought a lot of coffee and donuts. And eventually, uh, the old Polish dude started teaching me how to machine manually. Right. And then a lady named Bobby taught me. Uh, CNC and programming. So, you know, that's another reason why people like Courtney Tate are important because within the shop, we had it, it was so hard for me to find someone who would teach me, who would mentor me, who would give me these lessons in a way that I would understand them. You know what I'm saying? And I just could think, you know, like to myself, if younger me had a Courtney Tate, you know, my the way that I would learn, you know what I'm saying, would be even even exponentially greater, right? Absolutely. And my 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 rise in my field, career field, would have been even doper. So as as important as the mentors, I guess that I had are to me, I understood that there's a need for so many more yeah. that represent the rest of America and what that can do for someone. You know what I'm saying? Um, so. After, you know, working my way up in that shop, um, I got to start, I, I eventually became a, a programmer and eventually started running the second shift, right? And at that shop, um, just like a lot of shops in America, second shift had a problem hiring quality people. And like a lot of manufacturers, they were leaning on um, staffing firms, right? And staffing companies. And now we have some great ones that are focused in our area and really understand what it is and the aptitude and the skills that are needed. But at that time, you know, if somebody just said they worked in a warehouse before, oh, you can go be a machinist and they're right. sending people on jobs. Right. So you're getting a turnover in workers. The quality of work that you do get from the workers that are there wasn't good. And it was like companies were just barely, you know, making it because of that attrition and that, you know, skills gap on that second shift. So I started asking, yo, let me hire people. Let me start grabbing people from where I'm from. And I know that what they got to lose. So I know what they're going to do with this opportunity, just like I do. You know what I'm saying? So I was able to start bringing people into that second shift. And on that second shift, instead of, you know, being super strict and traditional like first shift was, I understood that if there was a single mom that was coming to work for me that had to get her child off the bus and walk them home because they live in 
an afflicted area that's dangerous, that's more important to me if you do that and you're 30 minutes late, but you're yeah. secure and you know that your child is okay and they're being cared for and they're, they're, they're safe. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get more out of you as an employee than if I, you know, am on your back because you're 30 minutes late and then I give you two points and now you're thinking of not having this job anymore. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you barely got your kid to where they are, or maybe you didn't get your kid to where they are because you chose your job, you know, and over that. And now so you're thinking, what happen? Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? So now that employee is filling out other job applications on the side and not tuned in to this part that I need them to make. You know what I'm saying? So I would say, yo, do what you got to do. Give it to me on the back end. You know what I'm saying? Um, smoke breaks. I know people smoke. I know I'm not going to be the person that, that's going to change them from smoking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So instead of this person having to take four smoke four smoke breaks because they smoke a lot and they got to sneak two of them or lie to you or just, you know, whatever it may be, just disappear. You don't know where they are. Yo, run me a thousand parts in this first three hours and I don't care how many smoke breaks you take. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? After that, let's just get the production. Also, yo, okay, now that we're standing at these machines, for an hour every night, I'm going to go around to different people and I'm going to tell them what's coming across their screen. You're not just putting a piece of metal in a machine and pressing a button. This is G code right here. This is what you're telling this machine to do. This is what this line of code says. This is what this line of code says. So now more informed workers are able to do better. So if there is something that happens on second shift now, instead of having that whole machine shut down because there's no programming support, there's no days. Uh, second shift support now this person can make minor edits and keep the machine running and we got good parts coming right because they understand what the code is so i started making more committed workers better productive workers and we stopped the turn the the turnover rate and so you know my manager gm from that place went somewhere else and they were like drew i need you to come do that here so <laughs> i started to to do that for different Fortune 500 companies that I was working for. And my name started ringing the bell as a person that could implement these things and turn your second shift uh, bottom line around, right? So I was started consulting because I couldn't keep job hopping. So I started doing this for other companies and helping other companies start implementing these processes that put people first and showing them places in the community like, you know, women's shelters, like, uh, workforce training centers like, um, you know, uh, Boys and Girls Club, 100 Black Men, like these different places, the Urban League that have training, training things set up within their system, but none of them are training for advanced manufacturing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. here's your, here's your instant pool of workers. Urban League can find the people because their brand is good in the community and you help them set up the training that's going to get them in these doors. You know what I'm saying? So facilitating those relationships, showing them how to immediately impact their ROI and their, their bottom line by using the cooperation and collaboration of these different companies, um, really blasted my name off, you know, that's awesome. um, around that same time, I became a, a teacher at the local community college, uh, ranking technical college. And I did the same thing that I was doing for industry for education, right? So now we're seeing an increased enrollment. Now we're seeing people from the community that are in these classes and in these courses that now I'm helping diversify the industry that way. Right. So, um, 
as I started becoming more vocal about now I'm in the education setting, more educators and more technical colleges started reaching out saying, help us do this here. We have that same problem, right? So um, it's, it's akin to what you were saying. When you can identify that there's an issue and then you can identify that maybe I'm not the person that can solve it the best, you can reach out to people that are within your network and say, help me do this thing. You know what I'm saying? Because it helps the, the, the community and the, the places that we live the most. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, 